Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. We ask your guiding and leading in, in the scriptures and that your Holy Spirit will lead. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So we're going to stop there. That that's, sounds like a little today. <laughs> it's, it's quite a list of things, and it is very much like today's world. Um, so this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, this know, and this know for here is gnosis. It's to know by, by your senses, touch, touch, seeing, hearing. So he, he goes, this you will understand that in the last days there will be perilous times. Now, this is questionable as to when are the last days. Uh, many generations have thought that they've been in the last days over the 2,000 years. And perilous times means dangerous or hard to bear. And, you know, even in their day, when they were facing martyrdom and, and executions, they thought they were in the last days. They really expected Jesus to return at any time. And this went through till about 400 AD when all of a sudden Christianity was acceptable and well-liked. And then after a while, Christianity was again going through perilous times because the Catholic Church was taking them further and further from the Bible and those that were trying to follow the Bible were feeling they were in prayerless times and being executed for not agreeing with the Pope. Then we come to the Reformation days where we've got, depending on what country you were in, you, you were being either attacked because you were a Catholic or attacked because you weren't an, a Catholic. And then once the Reformation leaders got going, they would attack each other because there were false doctrines in the other group, they would say. And they were so zealous that they would attack each other. And so we see this going on and on and on. And in our day, we are seeing perilous times again. Uh, most of the world, it is very dangerous to be a Christian in. America and Europe, we're starting to see it become more dangerous to be a Christian. Uh, it's not dangerous yet in America, but we're starting to see the attacks upon Christianity in America. We're seeing perilous times. But now we get into this long list of things that, that are here. Lovers of self. Actually, this literally means selfish. This is our me generation that we are in. The only thing that matters is me. As long as I'm happy, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter whether you're happy. It doesn't matter whether things are going your way. As long as I'm happy, everything's okay. And this is a problem when the entire population is all about me. You know, there's lots of problems. And this is one of the signs of it. They shall be covetous, wanting stuff, wanting money. Kind of does sound like our country and our world. Uh, give me everything I want. I want everything. And most people aren't even willing to earn it. They just want it, which is why we have so many people in extreme debt. We have so many people willing to harm and take from other people because they want it and they want it now. And this is where we are at with this. They're covetous. They want it now. Boasters, empty pretenders. We have all kinds of people that are boasters and pretenders. And so this is the world we live in. Proud. We all know what proud is. You know, showing over, over people, being, being on top of it, you know. Uh, again, it's part of the same thing as covetousness and lovers of self. You know, as long as I'm number one and everybody recognizes I'm number one, I'm okay. If you don't recognize that I'm number one, then you're, there's a problem with you and we're going to have a problem with, with each other. And again, we're in a world where everybody's wanting to be number one and not wanting to let others shine, shine out. And so we have this problem. 
blasphemers, speaking evil and railing abusers, not just of God, but of each other and of government and of leaders. We are in just this kind of world right now. When we look at this, we see our world. You know, more so than probably any time in history, as far as I'm concerned, there's been proud people and all that, but this is all of them making it sound very much like our world blasphemers against anything and everything. Now, it's an amazing thing when you listen is that they're angry at each other. They're angry at anybody who's against them. Uh, we live in a world where you can't even in nice, calm fashion debate anybody. Because as soon as you disagree with them, they attack you personally. And this is one of my problems, even with, even though I'm conservative, and I listen to these conservative talk shows, they have good arguments and then they demean themselves and wallow around in the mud and, and make fun and, 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 and belittle the individuals instead of what they believe. And I've had many conversations with people that would use all kinds of derogatory things. I'm going, why go there? We have the arguments. We have, we have it. Quit, quit attacking the people. Because once you attack the person, nobody's listening to you. You know, if you're attacked, you no longer, no longer want to listen to their, to their argument or their points because they're attacking you. This is what it means to be boasters and, and, and uh, being able to blasphemy. You know, they're attacking the individuals. And we're seeing a lot of that. That is one place that I am seeing that I have not seen through the history where they could not communicate one with another. You know, we saw it in dictatorships. In Hitler's world, if you said anything against Hitler or his government, they arrested you and took you to, to prison. I think we're going to be starting to see that kind of stuff even happening in America and Europe. You start speaking against them, you're going to be imprisoned because we are looking at dictatorships being trying to be formed right around us. And it's been this way for quite a while. You know, in high school and in college now, if you say anything that's contrary to what is being taught and the approved thing to be taught, you are attacked personally. And it doesn't matter what you say, you are attacked. And this is coming in every aspect of it. We watch our news and we see it happening in the political world. You know, these guys aren't debating issues anymore. They're just attacking one another completely. There's no discussion on what's going on. They just attack and try to destroy each other personally. Not destroy what they believe, but destroy them personally. And this is a problem that we have. Uh, the next one says disobedient to parents. Now, again, this is one of those areas that we see drastic changes in, in our world. Uh, many people do not want to teach kids anymore because they're, they're afraid of what the kids will do. And the kids know that they have power. All they got to do is say the right thing and somebody will be in trouble. They touched me. They hit me. They abused me. You know, they, they said something mean to me. You know, because I was misbehaving and they told me to sit down, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge him with being abusive. And this whole disobedience to authority is such a big deal out there in our world. Unthankful. What, what, a, what a world we live in. Unthankfulness is rampant. Do something nice to somebody and they don't say thank you, they don't care. Uh, all they will do is they criticize you for what you didn't do for them. Or they expect it. Well, not only expect, but they expected four or five times what you did, and they're not happy with what you did even. Yeah, that's all you did? You, you, yeah. you just gave me a gallon of gas? You, know, you didn't make sure that I could have a full tank? You, you, know, you just changed my tire? You didn't make sure that... You know, this, that, or the other thing was done too. You didn't balance it. You didn't get me out and get me a new tire. You know, all these things that come in, they're just not thankful for anything. And unholy. Now, this takes us into the, the religion side of it. They're not following God in any way. Now, we haven't even gone, but one, one of the three verses about this, but we are seeing our world 
look like this. And this is one of the reasons as I look at these kind of lists, I'm going, God, are we at the end days? The selfishness of everybody, the unthankfulness of everybody that is out there. And the sad thing to say is even Christians fall into this a lot of times uh, because of the world's way of thinking and they fold themselves with the world's mindset rather than godly mindset. And then we go to verse, verse 3. Without natural affection, no love for family, no love for children. And this is probably one of the things that really kind of scares me in our world. Even in the past, family always had an attraction. You know, we're going we're gonna to take care of our family. We're going to take care of our spouses. We're going to take care. We're going to love our families. There are so many parents out there that have basically abandoned their kids. Here, mom, mom and dad, you take them. You know, grandparents, you take them. No, great-grandma and great-grandma, you guys believe in taking care of the family? You take care of these kids. I don't want anything to do with them. They're cramping my style. I can't go to dinner. I can't go out. I can't go out for the weekend because these kids are in my way. Same thing that all of us that are older kind of knew. You know, kids got in our way. Yes, we understood that. But we also understood we were their parents and we had to invest into their lives because of where they were at. And this whole idea, the level of divorce, the level of destructions of families, the level of abortions. Yeah. We're pregnant, we can't afford to have kids because we won't be able to do the things we want, get rid of the kid. No natural affection. You know, abuse of the children that are born. All of these things fall under this natural affection for one another, all right? Uh, and they are lovers oops, and truce breakers. You can't take them on, can't take their word. And this is probably one of the sad things that we're seeing in our country. It wasn't so long ago, probably the 40s or 50s, where you could still believe somebody just was going to do something just because they said they were going to do it. In the 1800s, you could, you know, you, you, people were people of their words. If they said they were going to do it, you pretty much accept the handshake was enough, you know, their, their word early 1900s, we still had people starting to shift, but we still could pretty much trust somebody's word. Here in the 2000s, you better have an ironclad contract and your lawyer better be better than their lawyer. Because it doesn't mean, even, even, it's, even though it's on paper, written by lawyers, it doesn't mean anything. They're still going to break their word. False accusers slanderers, destructive, trying to, to get, get by. How many things do we see about this area of false accusers? Now, we see it all the time. We, we have ambulance chasing lawyers that will get people to say whatever they need to say on the, on the stand to try to bring a, bring a case. You know, and Basically, they're going to hope to get an out-of-court settlement because they're pretty sure it's not going to go through, but, you know, where they get a 50-50 chance with a judge who might go through, but they know that the, the people aren't going to want to try, aren't going to want to try to defend because of they got enough people lined up and how easily people lie in our world. This, the next one is the incontinent, which literally means people with no self-control. How many people in our world today have no self-control? They blow up at the littlest things. Now, I would see them in, when, I, when I would work in a restaurant. You know, I, I had guy, one guy who comes in, what is this? And I'm going, it looks like your meal. What's wrong with your meal? Well, that doesn't look like a meal to me. This looks like a pigeon leg. I'm going, okay, so your chicken's not big enough. You know, I'll, oh, fine, I'll get you another piece of chicken. It's not that, you know, and it was a standard size piece of chicken, but you know, it was, he was going crazy because he didn't think he got what he, you know, what he deserved or paid for or whatever. I mean, it wasn't even that small a piece. So I gave him another piece. And he still wasn't happy. Now, but this is the problem as we go through. There are people who just have no self-control. They get angry at the simplest thing. They get angry, you know, at somebody for no reason whatsoever. And we hear it on the news all the time. 
How many gunshots do we have because somebody's angry at somebody? And you know, if you listen to the story, most of the time there's nothing even to be that angry about. And you're going, what is going on with our world? No self-control. And this is something that is really sad as we look around, is how fierce this no self-control is coming. We had people driving into crowds of people because the crowd of people were in their way. And they were in such a hurry. You know, I, I, you have people cut you off on the highway so they can get one car length ahead of you. And it's like, all right, you were stupid and here you are riding, still right in front of me. You, know, you almost caused an accident to get 16 feet of road. Yeah, you're all still stopped at the same red light. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I see it down at the prison because people go flying down that road and I go fast on that road too and I get passed. And then we get to the gate where we all have to wait for the guard to let us in and they're like one car ahead of me. It's like, okay, you just went down the road at 90 miles an hour to get one car length ahead of me. You know, no self-control. And this is something that was part of the end days. And he goes, fierce, <laughs> despisers of those that are good. This is what ends up happening also. We as Christians have people despise us because we have a standard. In a world that they want to say there's no standards. And so when we say there's absolute truth and there are standards in this world, they despise, they attack, they are violent in it, and they don't like it. This is a problem that we have out in the workplace at times. If we say anything that's what God says about homosexuality, adultery, fornication, their anger, their gluttony, anything, it doesn't really matter. They'll get upset. Who are you to judge? You know, you know, they'll go crazy. Why? Because they're despisers of good with no control of what's going on. You know, when you say it sounds like this world, you're absolutely right. It sounds like our world about where we're at and where we're headed. And if it doesn't change, we are at the last days. He goes on that they're traitors. How easy we see this trading back and forth, not, not listening, being reckless, heady, high-minded. You, know, you meet these people, they have no standards whatsoever, and yet they're better than everybody else. That really kind of drives me nuts. You have no standards, you have no right or wrong, but yet you're better than everybody else. How do you figure this? Yet this is exactly where they are. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. This one is kind of an interesting place. People love doing whatever makes them feel good rather than doing what God says is right. Now, the problem with this lover of pleasures is that it doesn't bring good feelings for long. They have to keep doing more. They have to keep doing other new, new pleasures and new challenges. And how is this really being revealed in today's world? You think about all the different people that are doing thrill-seeking. They're doing more and more really stupidly dangerous stuff every time. I remember when I was a kid, I did a lot of crazy things. I would jump off you know, one-story buildings, you know, just for the fun of it. I would, you know, jump my bike off of six, seven-foot ramps and everything. But now we've got people doing really, really crazy things. And if they do get hurt, they'll blame somebody else that they got hurt. And when somebody says, why'd you do it? Well, I just had to see. I had to challenge myself to see if I could, how close I could come to death and still live. And unfortunately, the how close they're coming to death is pretty close sometimes. And the, all of this, lovers of pleasure. If you buy this, if you do this, yeah. if you, you know, you will, you will be the rock star if you use this shampoo and get your hair dressed and you wear these clothes, everybody will be paying attention to you. It'll be better. It's better. Yeah. Everything's better. And we do have that as our our lifestyle because people are 
looking at what can I do to make myself number one. Make everybody love me and make myself stand out. And if it's, if it's not the clothes I wear or the, or, or the hairstyle I use or this, then it's maybe if I do something really big. You know, everybody's goal right now is to do something on, on the internet that goes viral. Everybody will know me. You know, if I just do something stupid enough that everybody wants to watch on the, on the internet, then I'll be famous for about 15 seconds. 15 minutes of fame. How many views I get? I, I have 3 million views for this, the, this thing that almost took my life, but I have 3 million views. I'm famous. That's all part of this whole lovers of pleasure. You know, lovers of me first. And this is the world that we live in that's so big. Get noticed on TV, which is even better because you make, so you make it to TV. But all of this is just this long list of things. It all really does boil down... All of this really boils down to me, the, the me generation that we live in. I want it, I want it now. I don't want to wait. I don't care what it takes to get it. I want the attention, I want the fame, and I'll do anything, it doesn't matter. And literally there are people that will do virtually anything to get that fame. And we've all seen them, we've all met them, you know, where they'll do something totally stupid that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I was driving through chloride late one night and I come around and my, my head beam, headlights beamed on two people walking stark naked down the street. And I'm going, what in the world in chloride? Later on I found out they lost a bed at the bar and they, had to walk, and they lost their clothes and had to walk naked to home. I'm going, how stupid can people be? This is what is really crazy out there, is what will people do to try to get the attention of others and not put others first. And this is this list of things that are saying in the perilous times, in the end days, and we're seeing more and more of it. We've seen this kind of stuff all through the generations, but usually not all of it at one time. And now we're seeing all of it going on. We're seeing there's no righteous decisions, no, no following up in, in what is good, and, and people are not want, even wanting to do what is good if it doesn't make them feel good. And it says in verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now this one has a two-pronged two, two attack on it. Number one, he's talking about all these people that are evil thinking that they've got it made, you know, I'm, I'm number one, I'm God. But he's also talking against the church, where the people are thinking they're doing things God's way, even though they're not doing things God's way. And we see a lot of that in churches nowadays. You know, I have seen a lot of churches where everything about their service is so choreographed that God showed up to be in it, they would not get accepted. You know, if God said, I want to be part of this service, I go, sorry, you're, you're not penciled in, you can't. You can't speak, you can't sing. This, this group is singing, and this is what they're singing. This is how they're singing it. And when they're done, this group is singing. And when they're done singing, the pastor's going to say, and here's his script. God, you can't come into this service. I've seen some services that are that specific. And this is that form of godliness. Well, you know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing everything decently in order, and we don't want anything to be out of order. And if God stepped in and wanted to do anything else, he would be out of order, and we're not accepting him either. We want to be very careful about this. <laughs> Nothing is centered around us. And this is the thing about us as Christians. We need to be lifting up God and putting God first and not centering everything around us. And I've known several pastors, and, I, and they're good, godly men, they have everything centered around them and putting on a good show. I hope I never get that way. I don't want to get that way. Should things be decent and in order and organized and planned? Yes. But if it's so organized and planned that God can't step in, we've got a problem. And so we look at this and he says, of those, you know, they deny the power of God. You know, this is the world we're living in. 
people deny the power of God. There are lots of churches that don't believe that God still does miracles, that God still speaks to people. Now, I'm not sure what Bible they're reading. Believe me, I know some of these guys. They are very good, godly men in many cases. But they just don't believe that God is still working in this world. When did God change? You know, but there are a lot of New Testament churches that won't read the Old Testament because they believe the Bible that God changed in the New Testament. And that he wasn't the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. I'm going, what Bible are you reading? Isn't there a verse that says yesterday? Just, just, and it happens to be in the New Testament, too, in Hebrews. That he hasn't changed. That he doesn't change. Then, you know, and I've seen the miracles, I've, you know, the miracles in the New Testament, and then going, well, that was in the Apostles' Day. He doesn't do them anymore. I'm going, I don't know what Bible you're reading. I don't understand why you would not believe that God is still moving and moving mightily when he did it for 4,000 years before the New Testament, and all of a sudden you think that after 70 years in the New Testament, he stopped. And I don't understand that. But yet, there, and I know some really godly men that don't believe that the Holy Spirit is still working in this world, still doing the miracles that he did in the New Testament. And they're godly men. I, I like the guys for the most part. I could not sit under their teaching, but I like them. And I know that they are believers of God. They have just not fully understood that God is still working. And they have bought into lies that have been taught to them. And that's the problem. They were taught lies that they believe and have not challenged those lies. And we need to be careful of that, that we don't believe lies that are presented to us. Because there are a lot of people that go, well, a, a pastor told me. The, the pastor went to school. They, they've been studying the Bible for a long time. They know, they know how to read the Bible, so they must be right. This is why I challenge everybody in this church, study the scriptures. Know what the scriptures say. I am not purposely going to lead anybody astray. But you know what? I'm human. I might say the wrong word sometime. Not on purpose. I might say the wrong word. There might, God forbid, be a couple of things that I don't believe correctly. Now, mostly after as long as I've been studying, I've had most of my misbeliefs corrected. <laughs> But you know, there may still be one or two things out there that God will say, you need to change your mind on. I don't think they're out there very much, but who knows? Obviously, I'm teaching them, so I believe them, but maybe God will come in and say, this is something you need to change, change your belief on. But after 50 years, I don't expect too many of those anymore. I do remember in my earlier days, there were lots of those things that I would think some, some way and be challenged on. But I have analyzed and thought through most of those things nowadays and know what it is I believe and why. And he says they deny the power and he says from such turn away. All right. Now he's not saying that if they have one or two things you have to turn away. But he goes if this is who they are on, in all their ways and most of their ways, get away from them. And this is what I say. I don't want everybody to agree with everything I say, but if you can't agree with most of what I say, we've got a problem. And so one of the two of us should leave if that's the case. All right? Uh, but if you disagree with a few things, as long as they're not doctrinal uh, pieces that the word of God is absolutely true, that Jesus is the only son of God and the only way to heaven, feel free to disagree with me and, have, and know what you believe and why. I... You know, one to disagree in those, those two areas, those couple areas, we've got a problem. I will fight tooth and nail over those ones because they are core to Christianity. Beyond that, there's not a whole lot that's core to Christianity. Now, I believe what I believe. I strongly believe it. And I love talking to those who don't believe in it as long as they will civilly discuss the, discuss the issues. And so this is the fun thing, and it says... Uh, verse 6 says, For of this sort are they that creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away by diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he says, these type that are denying the power, 
these type that are me first, all these, the, basically, I'm going to boil this down, this long three verses were basically me first. And it reveals in many different ways. Because these are the type that sneak in and lead people captive. This is the type that even in churches lead people captive with false teachings. And this is why as pastors, as leaders, we need to be vigilant in who teaches, who, who is out there bringing things in. And it says, lead captive silly women laden with sin. People that are basically, in this case, not just women, but weak-minded, willing to listen to anything. And there are people that are willing to listen to anything without any critical thinking. And our will, world is building more and more of these people that are just willing to listen to anything. Our schools teach people to just believe it because a teacher says so. Our colleges are set up with people just believe it because the professor said so. You know, I'm the professor. I've got 28 letters at the end of my name. I know what I'm talking about, so you can't, you can't argue with me. Even though I'm telling you that the sun doesn't shine and the, and the sun gives out cold weather and the, and, the, and the lakes are green, you have to believe me because I got lots of letters at the end of my name. Now, granted, I'm taking that way to the extreme, but that is kind of what they will say. You, you just have to believe me because I'm smarter than you. What happens in our news broadcast? They bring in experts that are supposed to know what, what they're talking about. And, I'm, and then sometimes I look at them going, I've studied that topic and you don't know what you're talking about at all. I don't care that you have nine degrees from, from 28 different uh, institutions. You don't know what you're talking about. And yet they are presented as the expert who is supposed to know and tell you what to think. Well, I get tired of hearing the experts. I really do. Just tell me what the news is and I'll let me decide what's right and what's wrong. But this is the whole idea, leading silly people by the nose. This is what you're supposed to be. Keep following. You know, I don't care. I know, I, know the, I know the path is over there, but we're going to go over here, and I'm just going to grab you by the nose and drag you over here. I, no, don't, 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 don't see this pen. Don't see this, this uh, butcher shop. Where, you know, I know you want to go this way, but we're going to take you over here to these doors where you're going to die, and people believe it. Because they've never been taught to think critically. They, you know, have not read the Bible, do not understand truth, do not, have not analyzed and thought things through. And unfortunately, our schools, right from kindergarten all the way through college, teach people to not critically think. And that means that they're, okay, you learned how to read, but don't read anything important. Just read what we tell you to. Believe what we tell you. Don't, don't, don't think. And just believe. And this is where we're at. I don't want anybody believing me just because I've been studying for 50 years. Go out and do your own re review. Know what it is you believe. All I ask is that you're able to say why. Now, if you disagree with me, I pretty much know what you're going to say. I know, I know the arguments that can be made against me. I disagree with them, but you're free to hold, tho you, you're free to hold those, those views. Why? Because some of them I held in the past. <laughs> you know, but this is the important thing. Are we going to be able to analyze? Are we going to think? God is not afraid of thinking people because he is a logical God. He created logic. He created science. He is not afraid of thinking people that ask questions. And I've told people all the time, I want people who think and ask questions because where do I want them asking questions is in church where they're going to get the right answer, not the stupid answer that the people leading them astray are going to give them. And this is what happens. These who do not believe all these things that are against God lead people. And notice that it says they are led captive. Right? People are born into captivity, into sin. They get saved. They get out of captivity. And what do they do? So often they go right back into captivity captivity of the lies of the world because they don't read the Bible they don't get discipled this is the critical thing and this is I've been accused by some people outside this go you do too many Bible studies and I'm going you cannot do too many Bible studies 
They go, yeah, you can. I go, well, you believe what you believe, but I'm going to keep teaching truth. I don't know what it is you want to get in there, but I'm not wanting people to be led away captive by silly things and by diverse lust. Because usually this whole thing boils down to what is good for me. And what is good for me is going to lead me away from God almost every single time. Now, ultimately, you know, when I say that, I've got to be careful because if I'm following God, I'm actually doing what's best for me. I may not feel like I'm doing best, what's best for me. I may not think it's best for me. But from what he's saying here, diverse lust will take us away from God more often than, than not. Well, it just felt good, so I did it. You know, I know I wasn't supposed to sleep with that woman because she wasn't my, my wife. I know I wasn't supposed to sleep with that person because you know, we, weren't, weren't, we weren't married, but it felt so good, I just knew I had to do it. I knew that I, I shouldn't be taking that, that drug because I know it was going to take me other places, but it just felt good. Or alcohol or whatever it might be, it just felt good, so I kept doing it. The diverse lusts that pull us away from God. And we see this over and over, people with no self-control, no hope, no absolutes. This is the whole process that goes on when, when the world says that there are no absolute truths. There's nothing to anchor you in. This is why when the Supreme Court said that it was uh, unconstitutional to, to not have gay marriage, it led to a slippery slope because once you take God's standard away, where do you anchor from there? Where do you anchor marriage after that point? You can't. Once you say there is no standard, you can't just ultimately say, well, you know what? Uh, we, we think we're going to make a standard that you can't marry your horse. All right? Why? You just, you just cut, the, you cut the standard. Why, why make that as your standard? Why can't you marry 20 different people? There's no standard there once you say, I'm not doing it God's way. We need to be, as Christians, holding on to God's standards and not saying what's best for what I think is best for me. Because ultimately, God's standards are what's best for me, but my flesh isn't going to agree that what I'm doing that God says is, is my is best standard. We do not want to be led astray. This is why I am very careful about the movies I watch, the television shows I watch, the music I listen to. You know, and you all know, I don't even like most of the Christian music channels. Because most of those music things are not godly, doctrinally sound in the either. You know, I am very picky about what I watch, what I listen to. There are Christian movies I get, and I'm looking at them, I'm going, where in the world is Christianity in this movie? And I destroy the movie. Because I'm not interested in anybody else seeing it, including myself. You know, where are we? What do we do when we see things that aren't godly? Do we immediately shut them down? Or do we, oh, well, it's not too bad. It's not as bad as the other things I could be listening to, reading, or watching. So it's, it's halfway okay. And better, it's better than most things. It's only a little bit of poison. It won't hurt. I'll get used to it. And that's the problem that we have in our world sometimes. We, we go, it's not quite that bad. It's, it's not as bad. You know, this movie wasn't quite as bad as the R-rated movies I, w I used to watch. It's still not good. It's still not, it's not godly. It's still polluting your mind. Oh, but it's not that bad. And that's the problem that we have over and over again. It's just not quite bad. It's not as bad. I'm not as bad as the guys watching those X-rated movies. I'm watching R, but it's not as bad as really watching, you know, oh, I don't watch the R-rated movies, but, you know, I'll watch the PG-13. They, they only have innuendo all over the place. But you know what's really bad? Is the innuendo that's in our G-rated movies these days. They don't show anything, but they don't leave much to the imagination either. And how ungodly the things that they're pushing is. You know, it is getting so bad out there that if you're watching the world's movies, you're probably in trouble if you compare them to God's word. And again, as I've said, I've seen Christian movies that I wouldn't say are Christian movies. They were, they were produced by a Christian director supposedly with nothing, 
you know, without all the bad stuff. And it's like, where did you get God in this movie? You know, we need to be very careful about this and avoid these things. Then he goes, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. How many people are out there always learning? Always learning. And never actually understanding anything. Because this word of knowledge is epinosis. It is complete full knowledge. They never get to a place of fully knowing what it is. Now, I have seen people even studying the Bible that never get to a place where they fully understand God's word. It's more than an epiphany. An epiphany does, is something that opens up. It'd probably start with some epiphanies. Wow, this all of a sudden is really true, but it is complete. If you study something long enough, you should get a knowledge of it. If I'm, if I'm out there and I'm trying to handle explosives, I would want to have epinosis about the explosives. What do I put in it? How do, if I do this to it, will it blow up? If I do this to it, will it blow up? How do I, how do, I do it? Because that is dangerous stuff. I'd want to have epinosis about it. I don't want to, I don't want to be dealing with nitroglycerin and say, whoops, and drop it from, th- you know, from a foot up and saying, oh, I, gee, now I'm in heaven. I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, and I don't know if it's quite that explosive. The pictures all say that it is, but... But, you know, you don't drop nitroglycerin according to the, you know, what's out there. And I don't know if that's a true statement or not. But, you know, but because I don't know, I would treat it gently. But he's saying they're learning, always learning, never coming to an understanding. Most of our world is always learning. And the sad thing about it is knowledge is exploding in our world. There is knowledge everywhere. Access to knowledge is so much easier I wasn't, you know, we kind of take it for granted. You know, number one, we've got the internet. We can have almost any book at our fingertips online. And we got Google, we can ask and hope we get the right answer. We in America have, jo- have grown up in a world of libraries. Do you realize that it wasn't so long ago that in a church, the only one that might have a Bible would have been the pastor. And he might not have had a Bible either because they were super expensive. And before Gutenberg, very few people even had a book because each book was hundreds and hundreds of dollars a piece. We're talking about way back when, when you bought a book, it was a major investment because it had to be handwritten for you. you know, and that wasn't so long ago. Just a couple hundred years ago and before you would not have had a book. And how many of us have more than one Bible in America? And not counting our electronic versions of them. You know, my office, I have personal Bibles, three of them in the office. You know, and a whole, I can't even count how many Bibles I have at home. We give Bibles away with not, without even a thought because of how precious they are to us to give away. It wasn't so long ago that those did not exist. There are still places in this world where you can't really have a Bible. When people smuggled Bibles into China and into Russia during the Iron Curtain days, the first thing they would do is tear the Bible up into pieces, not you know, into different pages and hand people portions of it. And then they'd come back and swap portions of it so they could read more. Not in a destructive way, it was like it was so precious to them that here's your 20 pages, here's your 20 pages because they wanted everybody to have what was precious to them. And what do we do in America? Yeah, it's on the shelf. If I need it, it's over there. It's not that precious, it's not that valuable. Never coming to the knowledge of truth and hearing so many lies that are out there. And it's really scary to me when I hear the various lies that are told about God's word, especially, but against anything. All right, so now he goes in verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambers withstood Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall manifest, be manifest to all men as theirs was. So here we have Janus and Jambres. This is by tradition. They're nowhere else mentioned in the Bible. 
But in Jewish tradition and history, they say these are the magicians that withstood Moses in Pharaoh's court. All right, they're not named in the, in the scriptures, but tradition tells us that these were the magicians. When it said that the magicians of Pharaoh created serpents with their rods, they created flies, they created all these things. Now they made water into blood. I don't know why you kept repeating all these things that were destroying them, but it did, it did make Pharaoh not believe the signs. These are the ones that they're saying, these, the tradition says this was their names. They did all these things and they resisted truth. This is probably one of the most dangerous things we can have is when people resist truth in front of others. It's bad enough when they do it amongst themselves. But when they come out and resist truth to others. And this is something I want to be very careful about. He says, these men were of corrupt minds and reprobate concerning the faith. They were slanderers. They were depraved. They were actively fighting against God. One of the things that we need to be very careful about, and I see it several times, especially on the radio, there are so many of these people that will name names of pastors and say, well, we don't believe in them and this, that, and the other thing. What's really bad is when they, well, we agree with them on these things, but we totally disagree with them on these. Fine, that is none of your business. It's between them and their church especially if it's not something about doctrine, about salvation, all right? And I hear one particular show, it used to be a lot when, I, when, when one particular show used to be on, but there's still one show I hear every Sunday, and this person will say, this pastor I agree with, but in the end days, they're wrong on this statement. Now, the problem is I do agree that they're wrong on that statement, but you know what? There is room for disagreement in the future. There is room for disagreement on eschatology. Now, when we get there, they'll be proven that they were wrong, and that's beside the point. But these people that will call out pastors teaching to their churches these things that are minor points of Scripture are being fools. If their church agrees with them, then who are we to tell them that their church doesn't know anything? If their church has no problem with their pastor, then we're not to be their judge. If their church has a problem with them, they'll either get rid of the pastor or they'll leave and find a pastor that they can, they can agree with. I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, I believe that that's the case. If you can't agree with a pastor in whatever church you're in, if your pastor is teaching a lot of things that you can't agree with, leave. Or start by talking with them and see if you can get their attention. But if you can't get their attention and you think they're really wrong, then go find a pastor that you can live with and be able to stand under and, and abide under. Here he's naming these people and he says they were corrupt. And he goes, these ones that are this way are like Janus and Jambers opposing Moses. Moses says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, can you do what he just did? No, nope, we're not going to let you go. You know, threw the, threw the rods down and, you know, and they became snakes and Moses' snake, snake ate the other ones and then became a rod again. Made water into blood, they made water into blood. They, they copied the first few signs that were done until God said, no more copying. And at that time, Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. But these are what they're saying, don't be listening and this is the problem sometimes in churches. We get people that are just like Janice and Jambers. You know, I want to teach. Well, tell me about what you want to teach. You know, I don't want to tell you what I want to teach. I just want to be a teacher. Okay, what do you believe? I'm not going to tell you. Well, then you're not talking to my people. <laughs> I'm going to watch you. I'm going to learn what it is that you, what you believe. And there have been times people go, well, what about this person? I go, I don't know him well enough yet. I don't know them well enough. I think they're okay, but I don't know them. I've not listened to them enough to know what they believe. Because I am picky about who's going to teach in our, in our church. I want to know what they believe. Because I don't want our church being led astray by strange teachings. And this is what he's saying. Be careful. They're reprobate in their beliefs. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be made manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. So he's basically saying, 
the truth comes out. And I understand the truth comes out, but I don't want my flock hurt while the truth comes out. And this is something that is very important. God always wins out in the long run. Truth always comes out in the long run. My dad and I, you know, and I've said the same thing to my kids. Tell the truth because the truth is going to come out. If you don't tell the truth, the truth eventually is going to come out. And you're going to be in more in trouble for, for lying than if you had just spoken the truth. And God gets that truth. It is made abundantly clear. He says, it is manifest unto all men. It is shouted from the rooftops. God shouts the truth from the rooftop. He shouts sin from the rooftop. If we do not confess our sins, God will make it abundantly clear that our sins... Now, he'll give us opportunities. He'll give us opportunities. We've seen it over and over with evangelists who have fallen into sin that they could have confessed their sin to God, cleared it up, but they didn't. And what ended up happening? The whole world got to hear about their sin. I hope I never get that famous. I don't want to be famous enough that my sin has to be shouted to the whole world. That would be scary. It would be scary enough just to have it opened up to your whole church. But to have it opened up to the whole world, your sin, and yet this is what it comes down to. God says it will be made manifest. It will be abundantly clear what was going on. And you know, sometimes people go, well, gee, God was just really slow. It didn't happen fast enough for who? By whose standards did it not happen fast enough? We need to be very careful because if it's us that, that, that it's, ha- it's happening to, we want as much mercy and grace from God as possible. When it's somebody else, God, God, you let it go on for four years. Why did you let it go on so long? And we don't think about how much God has been dealing with us maybe for five or ten years. And we need to be very careful about this judgment. We want grace and mercy, and yet we oftentimes don't want to give grace and mercy to others. This is a serious thing that needs to be out there. God is going to move in his time. And sometimes we think, God, you just were really slow. I kind of agree. God, you have been really slow in your return for for the people. Now, how many people, you know, I might have thought that 10 years ago. How many people got saved in the last 10 years that wouldn't have got saved if God came when I wanted them to come? How many people are going to get saved between now and when he does come when I'm ready for him to come today. And he's got, a, he's got a plan. And I'm going to go, God, you're really being slow. Look how bad this world's going. And all these people are meeting your, meeting your criteria of last days, and you're not coming yet. He's going to come, and when he comes, it's done. It's over. <laughs> Be ready, because it is now time to go. We need to understand that God has a plan And he has an organization that he is going to put in place and knows the time. God has a day when he says, it is over. I'm taking my church. Our world is not new. There's nothing new under the sun. Homosexuality has run rampant. Adultery, fornication has run rampant. Uh, Pornography has run rampant all through the generations. So we look at it and say, well, this is all, all, all so new because in our generations, we were seeing it get worse and worse. You know, if you'd have been living and walking in Ephesus and Rome, you're going, how bad is it? How far do we have to get into depravity before it is time for you to say enough is enough? We are close to the day when God is going to say enough. God destroyed the entire world during Noah's day. And it doesn't even tell us how bad it was then. And that was only 1,400, 1,500 years after creation. You know, and they had become so depraved that God said, enough is enough. And destroyed. And it doesn't tell us, but he does say when things get like the days of Noah... So I believe in the days of Noah, homosexuality was running rampant, fornication, adultery... All these things that God says are evil were running rampant. And it is getting bad. And it is getting worse. And I think unless we have a great revival, 
the, the rapture is around the corner. Persecution is around the corner. And the rapture will follow that. And then, of course, Satan is let loose. We will be taken first. We will be celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. But it will be an enjoyable time for seven years while this world goes through judgment. We look at all the, the crises that get the government more power. Can you imagine how big a crisis it will be when millions and millions of people all of a sudden disappear? COVID was a big deal to the world, but millions of people have disappeared. And what's really scary to me, because out at the prison I learned about how the governments can all join together and put all of their military and police under one command in an instant. Millions of people have dis disappeared. What's going to happen? Somebody's going to stand up and say, all right, everybody, we've got we to control the looting, the riots, and, and the concerns. So we are going to put all military, all police under our command, and one leader will come up, the Antichrist, to calm everybody's fears down. When I first learned about that process, it scared the daylights out of me when I first learned about it, how easy it is for the law enforcement agencies to come together and work as one. And then I found out it wasn't just local law enforcement, it was national and international. This system is in, covers the whole world. And when I started learning about the power of that, that system, I'm going, let me reread Revelation. <laughs> How fast can a one world leader strong enough get power? Less than 24 hours. Less than 24, probably less than an hour or two, he could get full control if everybody allowed him to activate this system worldwide. Satan has every piece in place that he needs for the end. And when we, the more we get to see the pieces in place, the more we understand how close we are. You know, they're talking about digitizing our, our money. You realize what happens if they digitize the money? They can control how you use your money. Try to give money to the church if they don't want you giving money to the church if it's digital. Sorry, you can't spend it. We're, you know, once it's digital, they can control it any way they want. And that's even without the mark of the beast. You know, there's all kinds of ways that they'll be under control. And Orwell wrote 1984, he missed it by a few decades. But we're seeing what he wrote coming true. We're seeing technology allowing this stuff. I was listening to a report, and I've got to verify it, but they're saying they're trying to work brainwaves to be able to read your brainwaves by computers. The ultimate thought police. And they're going to use it just like it. Well, if we just knew what they were thinking, they would have never killed those people, so we need to hook everybody up to these devices so we'll know what they're thinking. It's going to sound logical when it all comes down. Orwell talk, wrote that in 1984, the thought police, they'd arrest you before, because you thought about doing something. Uh, and now we're starting to see the technology actually be there that it might actually come true. All right, let's close here. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we go about your business. Lord, help us to see this world for what it is and where we're at. Lord, help us to keep our minds pure and clean by filling them with your word and your thoughts and with your spirit. Help us to stay the course and Lord, we thank you that you are coming soon and that we will be able to enjoy time in heaven with you when all of the worst things happen. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God and this is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please today make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 
86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.